Turning Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. So today I'm here with my next guest, Jamie Cozine. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Brandy. It's great to be here. I am super excited to talk to you because, and we chatted offline a little bit, but I'm so excited because I want people to see the beginning of the journey. I've been interviewing a lot of different professionals who have made this transition and they're speaking from being at a place of arrival. And I want Mm -hmm. people to hear the beginning of the story and really see themselves in your journey. So I'm super excited that you're here. Will you just start by introducing yourself to the audience? So I'm Jamie Cozine. I'm a physical therapist by trade. I am about 23 years into my career. And I just recently started a new role in a non-clinical part of the healthcare industry. I have uh, my doctoral degree, which I got as a transitional doctorate. I have my OCS. I'm an orthopedic certified specialist. So um, I live in New Jersey. So I'm happy to be here. I I really wanted to do this because I want to talk to people that were me one year ago and let them know that they can do it and and show them um, some of the possibilities. So that's why I'm here. That's so exciting. So tell people how you decided to make that transition out of bedside care um, to what you're doing now. I mean, were you working in acute care? Were you working outpatient? Kind of where did you start? Okay, so I started um, in the same hospital system that I spent uh, my full 23 years. But the nice thing about it was they are, you know, in a hospital system, there's a continuum of care. So throughout my 23 years, I was able to do acute care bedside, inpatient, subacute, a little bit of pediatrics, home care. And I spent the majority of my time in outpatient orthopedics. And um, so that's where I started. And then personally, for me, around, I would say, eight to 10 years in, I started to feel a little bit like I wanted something different and I wanted something more. Um, So at that time, 10 years in, I decided to go get my OCS. I took on some additional roles in um, the system, like I became clinical instructor. I uh, got a lead role where I became a mentor and I worked on some role modeling and so I kept trying different roles within direct patient care. And then about, you know, I did that actually for about 10 years. So that takes me to 20 years. Um, and then the last few years, it was the pandemic that kind of brought stuff on. The last few years, I kind of finally made that decision that I just really had to do something different um, for my own mental and physical health. So what excited you about healthcare quality? So I had tried different roles within the direct patient care. And then I realized that for my own physical and mental health, I really um, needed to do something different. Um, I started to feel burnout 
you know, in a big way where I felt like I couldn't be my full best self at work with my patients. And if I was my full best self, then my physical and mental health was suffering outside of work. Um, so that's what brought me to the point. I love my job. I love being a PT. I'm super proud of what I've done and what I do, but the healthcare industry in terms of direct patient care, you know, kind of wore on me a bit. So what brought me to quality was I've always been passionate about processes. So for example, when I'm working, why could this not be better? Why is this like this? So I liked when I was in an environment with high quality, which means we were giving consistent, safe, effective, patient-centered, equitable, efficient care. So naturally, in my roles, I've kind of always gone into those areas. And I wanted to expand on that a little bit more. So really quality touches us as PTs, both in what we do in our actual roles, we've probably all participated in quality, we've probably all been a part of it, or we've identified things within our job that could be better, um, that are touched by quality. So it's a, it's a wonderful part of our profession. So what are you doing now? Like, what is your role entail now? So my role right now is I'm in an operational type role in healthcare technology industry. So it's not replacing traditional healthcare, but it's acting as an alternative or a supplement to traditional healthcare. Um, this type of role I'm in in this healthcare uh, industry, healthcare tech industry, tech is the platform. So we start with the tech and then we go to the healthcare, where in the traditional role, I think we're starting with healthcare and then we're seeing what kind of tech could fit in with that. So this tech first approach is really nice because it ensures the quality of, of the care that the patient is getting. And we're really able to focus a lot on preventative and wellness type care. The model is through an employer. So it's employer, the employer will buy the platform, the software as part of their healthcare benefit uh, for their employees. And the idea is it will help decrease the employer's costs of healthcare for their employees. So if their employees are getting less surgeries, they're getting less procedures, they're exercising more, they're moving more, they're just generally more well, then everyone's going to be happy in the end. So if I'm the employee and I have this app or download this app, this platform, and I log in, what am I doing in the platform? So it's made to be really easily accessible. Anybody can do it. You're given um, exercises based on whatever your particular issue is. So it focuses on uh, members that have had a persistent pain for three months or more. And um, depending on a variety of questions that you answer, it actually uses AI to generate a personalized program for you. And then a physical therapist is overseeing that program. So it's kind of fascinating. It looks at red flags. It looks at your motivations, your interests. It looks at a depression scale. Um, it looks at your activity level, your demographic information, and it helps come up with a, uh, a program that's good for you. So I'm glad that you said that because I think when people think about AI, they think it's completely taken over. But from what I hear you say, there's still a clinical person with clinical decision making over the program and can make changes, whatever changes are needed 
in spite of what AI is saying. That's correct. I really feel like we all need to kind of embrace AI and use it as a tool, but it's never going to replace human interaction or clinical expertise. I think an example is somebody trying to look up what exercises do I do for knee pain? Like AI is not going to be able to, if you Google that, is not going to be able to let you know. And if you use AI, you need a professional to also look at it and, and be guiding the decisions, but using it as a tool. Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. So how do you like this new role? So going from being at the bedside or an outpatient to now doing this role in tech and overseeing this program, how do you like it? I love it. I'm interacting with PTs every day, uh, PTs that are uh, doing digital care, PTs that are in operational roles. It's a very PT first company. So I get the benefit of working with the people that I've always loved to work with the type of people that I've liked to work with. But I have this job where I can... Every day looks a little bit different. I can set up my schedule. uh, I can prioritize my time. I like that I don't have to be on all the time. So I describe myself as an extroverted introvert. So I can't... Right? So I think so many of us are in in healthcare. So it's like we're compassionate. We love to help others. But we don't necessarily get energized with one-on-one time, 100%. You know, I like to have a variety. So, Well, that's really cool. So are you working remotely? Are you working hybrid? A lot of people have that question. Like, how do you a day look like? So I work about 20% in the field. And I work 80% from home remotely. So my company is based in California. They don't have any offices in um, New Jersey. So I don't have an office to go to. Um, so it's 80% remote and about 20% where I'll go into people's homes. I introduce the app to them. I show them the exercises. I make tweaks on it. I give them some education on activity modification. So I'm still using my PT skills, but 20% of the time, I would say. And then the other 80% is very operations-based how can we make uh, this member's experience better? How can we serve the needs of the therapists who are doing this 100% of the time? That's a good variety because you can still mm-hmm. you still wear your clinical hands-on hats. Yeah. Um, and so you're still relevant to what you're doing when you're on the operations side. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So it's so good to stay in the know because you well, you were also saying you're you're happy to interview me because I'm like closer. I'm at the beginning of my journey. So I do think it's good if we all can know the perspective of the um, the clinician. Like I really try to bring that into my role, recognizing the perspective of the clinician and balance that with the needs of the member and the organizational uh, goals as well. Absolutely. So when you switched from bedside care to the role you're in now, what kind of barriers did you face? A load of them. (laughs) (laughs) Do share. I tried to 
identify areas in my uh, current hospital system where I could go into some non-clinical roles. I asked the nurse manager of the case managers um, if I, I had all the skills I needed to be in that position. And she um, said, you seem like I would snatch you up in a second if I could, but we only hire RNs into this role. Um, so the hospital is full of good people that all want to do a great job, but the infrastructure did not support it. Then I tried to do corporate training in uh, my hospital system. And I was up against 10 other people that have actually already done corporate training. Even though I had all the skills required for the job, I wasn't chosen. So I also would talk to people about, oh, I'm interested in project management or say I'm talking to somebody from another industry. I'd be interested in project management. Well, what does a PT know about project management? So there's overwhelming barriers for the physical therapist to be seen as something other than a direct patient care role. And I find it very unfortunate because we're highly educated and highly capable. And I just think we kind of get the bad end of the stick. Also recognizing we have to be really good at telling stories to others and describing what we can do. Because when I'm talking to this man that's in a pharmaceutical industry, telling him I'm a PT, he's picturing me walking somebody down a hallway. So, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of different barriers, but it almost feels insurmountable. And I I just want to tell everybody listening, like, I feel you, you know, and it's, it is possible to do something different. So how did you overcome those barriers? How did you break past that wall of employers wanting a registered nurse? I'm very tenacious and I don't give up. And I got to the point where I tried so many different versions of different things, going into different settings, getting different certifications, talking to my director of the hospital, talking to the managers of these different departments in the hospital. And I'm not going to say I gave up, but I think I finally recognized. And I think, Brandy, we had talked actually before this even happened. And you said to me, you may ne- you may have to leave where you're at, find something else, and then people can see you differently. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what happened. And now that I'm in this new role, I don't think I'm ever going to turn back. If I want to go into do direct PT, I, I absolutely can. But I introduced myself as an, someone in operations in digital healthcare. Yeah. And then if you ever wanted to go back to your old hospital system, you would go in as this mm-hmm. new operational leader. Exactly. Right. So that would that would take away their barriers that they have, you know. So I think it it's not a bad thing to want something more and to do something different. So you can use everything that you learned as a PT and all the experiences that you've had with your patients, and you can use those in another way to help others and to bring value. So same with quality. You're bringing value instead of one-to-one. So treating one patient or one therapist treating three patients, you're one manager or administrator and you're affecting hundreds of people. Right. So you said you got, you went and you got a lot of certifications. What certifications did you, did you get? I didn't get any certifications to, to clarify. All my certifications were all clinical ones. And that was prior to getting this new role. This new role, what I did, I did a lot of things. I 
used the non-clinical PT on Facebook, constantly followed that and learned from those people. I followed your blog and your uh, fireside chats, which were extremely helpful. I would do the clinician transition, which is on Spotify. And then I would do LinkedIn classes. So I did uh, interviewing seven most popular questions for interviewing. And I would follow people on YouTube that did things that I thought I would enjoy and that I would be good at. So that's another thing I want to stress is I hear a lot of therapists saying, first, I need to find something where I make just as much money and I can't find anything. I think we need to change our mindset about that because you're going to be in a place where you can grow. Um, So even though maybe you're not making as much the first year, two, three years later, it might be a different story. And secondly, we don't need degree any more degrees, in my opinion, to do a whole variety of roles in the non-clinical world. I just think we need to present ourselves differently. We need to vamp our resumes so that they look like I'm not a PT, but I'm somebody that solves problems. I'm somebody that builds relationships. I set smart goals. That's who I am. And we need to develop our LinkedIn to also look that way. I'm somebody who analyzes data. PTs analyze data. You know, PTs are complex problem solvers. (laughs) So I'm just like, let's do this. We can do this. We've been through hard programs. We've got into competitive programs. We can take new information and put it into a different experience. So like you're McKenzie certified. Don't put that on your resume, but put you're able to go to a course and learn something completely new and apply it in a different way to get better outcomes so that your patients didn't have to have as many visits and it affected your business's bottom line. So like, we just need to change our mindset, I think, and have confidence in ourselves. I'm just getting so excited over here about what you're saying. <laughs> we have so many transferable yeah. skills, but like we you said, how we, how we articulate that, right? Is yes. saying, I do it this way, or I just see, I see patients and I see this many patients. Well, how about that complex problem solving? And like yes. you said, I'm a relationship builder and I can synthesize information and I can make analysis. Yes. Like we have so much. We have so much and we don't give ourselves enough credit, I think. And you can easily get discouraged. So I just, yeah, I want to be able to give people some inspiration and hope. And it's not just in my role because there's probably not a lot of roles in my company that, that are available right now, but it's like user experience. It's all these quality roles that Brandy's telling everybody about. Um, It's data analysis, project management, customer success. We can do this. Absolutely. So someone said, Jamie, what was the one thing, if there is one thing, what was the one thing that contributed to your transition the most? What would you tell them? Mentorship. I would say looking at people that have gone before me and done what I wanted to do and using them as guides. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people trying to go it alone. Yes. Don't go it alone. Get support. It's like getting a travel agent, right? You might know where you want to go on vacation, but you don't exactly know where's the best places to go. Get some guidance. I agree. Uh, What advice, and you've talked about this um, some already, but is there any other advice that you would give someone else who wanted to take a similar journey to yours? Um, I think networking is something we haven't touched on too much yet. So we're all very good at, as physical therapists on talking to people from all different kind of walks and um, 
just reach out to people in a curious, open, genuine way that do something that you might be interested in. And don't ask them if they have an opening for you, but ask them, you know, you notice that they posted this on LinkedIn and it's interesting to you. Could you ask a question that they can answer like an open-ended question just to get that networking. I have a man who's reaching out to me on LinkedIn. He's a PT and he wants to talk about partnerships. I have no interest in partnerships, but I do like him. I like what he has to say. And I plan to reach out to him and tell him that like, I don't want to do a partnership, but I'd love to talk to you for 10 minutes and learn a little bit about you because you never know where that stuff is going to take you. So I think networking is really, really important. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's something that I think is so underrated. Networking has gotten this, somehow it's gotten this negative connotation of brown nosing or somehow it's this, you know, I've got, I've got to go and it, it becomes this transactional thing. Yes, and not tra- you don't want to be transactional. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I've met so many, many wonderful people on LinkedIn, just like you said, being curious Mm-hmm. And asking a question and how can I serve you? How can I support you? Um, a lot of people are willing to share their knowledge on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, it's getting to know people before you need them for something. Yes, that's so true. It's like give and take. Everything in life is give and take. So you want to you wanna give, give, give to somebody in a genuine way. Like, like don't make fake relationships. But if this is somebody like Brandy, I admire you so much. I reached out to you because I, I liked, you know, I liked what you had to offer. And I didn't, I didn't have any particular like reason or I wasn't looking for something in exchange. I just wanted to talk. So I think if you could just use those genuine connections of you like something about someone and you want to know more, I think that's a good way to go and not make it transactional. This is my resume. Do you have anything open? Because then, you know, you're not really giving anything. You're just trying to take. Absolutely. And people can see right through that. <laughs> yes. Yes, they can. People exactly. Can see right through it. Um, but Jamie, what was your defining point? My defining point was I actually got COVID uh, last in 22, late 22, where I had to actually take a leave from work. I think it was a combination of working through the pandemic. We never got a break. You know, everyone else went home and we stayed and we worked. I obviously didn't do, I, I stayed in outpatient. So I didn't see the death and the tragedy that other people saw, but it was definitely stressful. And I feel like things got worse after the pandemic in terms of productivity requirements and also just being exhausted. So I think when I got covid it kind of just like completely knocked me out. So I was on a leave of absence in 22 for a couple of months. And um, while it was a terrible experience, something good came out of it because it gave me a little bit of time to reflect and really figure out what I wanted and what my next steps were. I think as PTs, we're all so type A and we just, we handle what's in front of us. And you go into work as a clinician and you have a lot of stuff to deal with your stuff coming at you constantly. And you're just juggling, just trying to make it work. And then you go home and you're exhausted and then you have the next day. So I really didn't have any reflection time. So I think that illness actually um, gave me some reflection time. And I would say that was my turning point. And then I got a job within a year. I told myself I wanted to have it in six months and I got the job within a year. I'm glad you put that time frame out there because people don't really know how long it takes. 
And mm-hmm. it can be really frustrating if they're at the beginning of that year and they've, because yeah. when, we're, when we're applying for a clinical job, it's like, okay, Brandy, do you have a license? Can you do the work? You're hired. But when you're applying mm-hmm. for a non-clinical role, it's so much more to it. It's so much more intense. And so it just takes mm-hmm. longer. And for people who are at the beginning of that, you know, it's easy to get frustrated and just give up. Yeah, there's just a lot of friction trying to go from direct patient care to make that first jump. So I think we have to be patient with ourselves and recognize that. And if we have, do we have a minute or two? I can share my story about what led me to this job. Yeah, please do. Please share. It's It's kind of interesting. I think it'll help people. So I had applied to this role in the company um, that was a, a non-clinical role and I never got a response and I didn't think twice about it. I went on with my life and I applied to other jobs. Um, but what happened was the recruiter two years later found my resume and they didn't have a non-clinical job, but they had a PT job. So she used the resume that I had already applied with that I didn't even know they had. And then she looked at my LinkedIn, which I had set up because I knew I wanted to get out of uh, clinical care. Between the LinkedIn and having my old resume, she reached out to me uh, for a job. So I applied for the job. I got a per diem treating PT role in the company. It wasn't really what I wanted, but I thought, well, let me just try something different. Um, about a month into having the role, this operations role opened up and my boss thought I would be a good fit for me and asked me to apply. So this literally fell into my lap between me getting my LinkedIn set up, sending out resumes to jobs that I was interested in, being willing to say yes to a recruiter that I really didn't want to necessarily do the job she was asking me for, but I liked the company. Um, so those are some things I would recommend to other people, like take some risks and just stay open. I love that. I love that Mm -hmm. because you basically got a foot in the door. Yeah, that was my thought. I thought, let me just, since this is a company I want to work for, let me just get my foot in the door and then maybe I can apply for another position. And then it literally fell in my lap that uh, a month later, my director, you know, liked me. She knew what I was capable of and she knew I'd be good for this role. And and then she, she told me to apply to it. So Get yourself in front of people. And the interesting thing about it, Jamie, is if let's say you didn't take that first PT role. Right. You have never seen the operation role because they probably didn't post it. They said they would not. They said mm-hmm. Jamie's a great fit. We want to go ahead and bring her into it. And, and they get hun- hundreds of applications for all their non-clinical roles that are PT related. So I would never have gotten a job. I would never have stood out. My resume would just have been in the sea of everybody else. Yep. Oh my gosh, that is, uh, I, I just love that because you are willing to take a chance on yourself. Yes, that's good, Brandy. I love that. You got to be willing to take a chance on yourself. Have confidence in yourself. You're just as good and I'm just as good as anybody else out there. Like we can do this. Don't this be intimidated. So, this is so encouraging. <laughs> I, hope, I hope people can feel the energy through the I hope journey. so. <laughs> But this is just so encouraging. And um, for people who are at the beginning of their journey, who are where you were a year ago and, you know, who are who's staring into the future, like, can I do this? What would you say to them, Jamie? You can do it. 
You can do it. Stay focused, stay confident. Look at all, all the things you've done up to this point and how you were successful and have had your successes. Everybody's had failures and successes. Look at all the things you've been able to do and then take that and apply it into something different. And it's okay to take a risk. Especially as the PT, there's always going to be regular PT roles that you can go back to. Yeah, <laughs> and I, it's so funny you said that because, um, yes, there will always be PT roles that people can go back to. So no decision is permanent. You're not. Yes, making, that's good. No, no decision is permanent. Role. Yeah, it's not permanent. If you don't like it, hey, you try something else. I think we're all so and somewhat perfectionists in in our industry and we really only want to do great at something so it's kind of scary to do something different that you might not be great at but guess what you actually might get in the position and actually be great at it because you already have all these skills <laughs> you just don't know it <laughs> i love that well this has been so so fabulous i am so glad that you agreed to have this conversation because i know it can be and I don't have a better word, but it can be awkward because you're just starting out. So right. to say, this is where I am when I'm not all the way through yet. But yes. I think it's so, so valuable for people to hear what it's like at the beginning. That's what I wanted to talk about. So I'm so glad we had that opportunity. I, I didn't want to get too much into nitty gritty about uh, what I'm doing now, but I wanted to talk about how I could, how I got here and how you could do the same recipe, not in this exact role, but like for, for something else. It's the same recipe of um, just having confidence in yourself, learning what your tr transitional skills are, telling a story to everybody about who you want to be. Yeah, awesome. So how can people connect with you, Jamie? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So uh, it's J-A-I-M-E. And my last name is Cozine, C-O-Z-I-N-E. So I'm pretty active on there. And that's a great way to contact me. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes too. So people can just click on the link. I'm so appreciative of this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me, Jamie. You're welcome, Brandy. And you're the best. Thank you so much for creating an open environment that I could share. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It would mean a lot if you would share this episode with a friend or a colleague. I would be honored to encourage them in their journey too.